0: Welcome to the HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast, a show where we talk about HVAC business ownership and financial freedom by sharing stories and advice of experts who can help you get there. Now your host, John Victoria.
1: Hey, hey, hey. What's happening, everybody? Good morning, good afternoon, where you are calling in from. This is John Vittori here, the host of the HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast, and today we have a very, very special guest with us today. Um, we have Jeremy Goff, who is the owner of Top Rank, which was established in 2003, and they are a family-owned and operated organization based out in Northern California. Um, so the Top Rank's principals, they have been in the industry combined for over 40 years, and they specialize in HVAC maintenance, repairs, replacement, and you, Residential and Light Commercial Construction. So, you know, that's the brief introduction, but, you know, welcome, Jeremy. Now, how you doing today? I'm
0: doing great. It's a beautiful day out here.
1: Awesome, man. So, yeah, so we'll kick things off. Uh, just for everyone who's watching, it's going to be about 30, 45 minutes for today's podcast, and we're covering everything from Jeremy's story to what he's seeing currently in the industry, you know, what's working for him when it comes to sales and marketing, as well as just seeing, like, what's the future plans for the business. So uh, just to kick things off, um, to give context to everyone for your story, you know, just tell a little bit about yourself and uh, top-rank heating and air conditioning.
0: Well, I'm a second-generation uh, contractor. My, uh, You know, I grew up in a shop at my dad, Ben and Sheet Metal. He owned a fireplace company in um, the 70s, 80s, and then the 90s when I started to graduate from high school. He got me and my brother into heating and air. My brother went straight into trade school after high school. I went to college, went that route for a few years, and then uh, worked in the restaurant business. And then my brother said, hey, move out to Vegas. We need some managers out here. And that's where I started my air conditioning uh, start was in 1999 in Las Vegas, Uh, was with a great corporation, um, uh, LDI Mechanical, doing apartments, condos, high rises, hotels. And, uh, you know, I got the quick learning curve. I was based out of Vegas and was in charge of all the apartments in Vegas and uh, Phoenix, wow. and traveled back and forth for years. And some hot attics, you know, happened to do it all. Um, I think my hottest day ever was 118 in Phoenix, and I had had to fix a leak in an attic before I got on a plane. An hour later. And after that, I moved to Sacramento with the same company, uh, worked with them for, um, till 2009, about when the economy collapsed. Um, and I, you know, I had 50 people below me, um, for the company I worked for. And I let probably about 70 to 80 of those employees go. Wow. And then I was finally just let go. We saw the writing on the wall after pay was cut. This was cut. That was cut. I, um, incorporated top rank in 2009 and, um, had um, a good friend of mine move out from Colorado, uh, Sean King, and uh, we uh, kind of started top rank together. Um, in the I started in December of 2009 and uh, he came about a month or two later. And uh, we just, you know, did everything we could. You know, um, gas was up high, but we got in with uh, different municipalities that had all the rebate programs. And we just took advantage of the rebate programs instead of doing an eight ten thousand dollar job we were doing twenty thirty thousand dollars with re- retrofitting people's houses like they're doing again with energy upgrades you know hot water heaters going from gas to hybrid hot water heaters going from gas systems to heat pump systems so there's definitely a market there but you know there has there always has there been struggles over the last 15 years sure you know we, we can't control the way life's happened but um, uh, you know, it's been a fun ride. I love what I do. I love helping people. Um, you know, we can fix anything, but if you don't love helping people, this is probably not the industry for you. You got to have to, you know, it's rewarding when you, it's 100 degrees. Outside and you walk and they're like, oh, you answered my prayers. I don't know what better thing, you know, comment you can get from somebody that, you know, you feel like you're a hero, you know. And uh, it's a great feeling to feel that way when you walk into somebody's home and help fix their problem
1: problems so awesome and i guess just to double click into something that you said i'm curious more as to you know when you when you first started out your business it seems like you know you were forced into it and kind of like how are you feeling when that first happened that you know you you had a bunch of people under you now you're starting this new thing like how are you feeling and what was like your thought process as to like what you were going to do to build this company
0: You know, my thought process was to go back into what I knew, doing apartments, doing condos that way. But it was a really hard time. You know, people were 2009 um, was 2010 was, you know, it was the bottom of the bottom. And, um, you know, I did go after the multifamily. That's the relationship I had, but they didn't, they weren't paying their bills on time. And the one thing that made my payroll every week was residential repair and replacement. So I kind of, about 2012, I changed our, 2011, I changed our company's profile over to, I got rid of doing apartments. I sold that side of our business. And um, I just basically sold all the work we had to a a larger company. And um, I uh, just stuck to doing repair and replacement. And, but that's where the money's at. So if you're going to go up on your own, you know, there's always work you can get and these big, Oh, Hey, I sold a, you know, I've had million, couple million dollar projects we sold back then. I had 36 employees and um, and we were doing almost five million a year, but I wasn't making money, you know. And mm. I was kind of, I was starting to get, wasn't getting bitter. I was just kind of like, oh, it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. But how many times can you tell that to your wife? Yeah. We're just right around the corner. And, uh, and finally, I made the decision to cut that type of work off. And go to a model where when we finish the job, we got paid. Not, oh, you're waiting 30, 60, 90 days to get paid. Because it's, it's that's where guys struggle. You know, I would start off small and work your way up to what you want. You know, some guys are able to do it, but you usually have to have a, you know, a good financial partner. Um, To do that, or you belly up with a larger company that maybe um, you know. I know a couple other guys that started in the apartment world, and they also had a a framing contractor that did apartments, and they wanted to add HVAC to that framing. So now they're taking over another total project versus just a small portion of framing. And framing is a very large of construction, but those are the kind of things. But it was tough. It was tough. I ain't gonna lie. I mean, I had you know i had nights i'd be in the shop or mornings i'd be in the shop at 4am and barely make my love and then back to work i had years of doing that i'm glad those times are over you know um but yeah it was it was dead hard times you know 2010 nobody made good money then you know it was tough sure yeah.
1: yeah oh my gosh and Um, and yeah, and that's, yeah, I can imagine how difficult that was. And I guess moving, um, from commercial to residential, like how did you begin to get your name out there? Now I know over the phone, like prior to this, we talked about how you did a lot of grassroots, um, marketing and, you know, building back into your community. Like how did you, you know, you made transition and then how did you begin to get your name out there?
0: So the biggest thing I I did is I got involved. I was a part of a BNI networking group. It's called Business Network International. And you meet with, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 people on a weekly basis that are your salespeople. And BNI is give or gain. Yep. You know, if you're going to give your group, you know, five referrals, I'd probably see two or three back sooner than later. Um, and that's kind of where the success started. That mindset, you got to have a mindset in your mindset. It's like, how am I going to change as a business owner from giving to people and not gaining anything back, you know? Mm. And sometimes I go to all the meetings. I go meet with all these people one-to-one. They love my story. They love me as a person and they love what I was about. And then all of a sudden Just went within a year of being in b groups. I had um, uh, my wife was in a group. I had a couple of my employees in a group. You know, we were in five groups, and um, within those five wow. groups, we were doing about a half a million dollars a year in business in BNI. Uh, you know, one chapter, wow. yeah. So, so, in the investment for BNI back then was like four hundred bucks. It's about five, six hundred bucks now a year to be a member, but you know, one big HVAC job pays for that. And I pay for that. You know, we're probably forty over a year. I probably get twenty per group. We probably get twenty installs a year for six hundred dollar investment. You know, in our time. You know, so you figure we maybe spend three four thousand dollars a year in uh, if we were in five groups to get a half a million dollars worth of business. What other what other way can you get that? You know, I got involved with the chamber of commerce um, in a couple different cities. And I'd go to those meetings, meet more people. They'd have networking meetings at a a Chili's one night, you know, in a bunch of businesses. Um, I'd just go meet them, hand out cards. um, You know, hey, you want me to visit your group? You know, how about you substitute for me? I'll substitute for you. So then you build relationships with these other people. A big thing, too, is getting involved in high, you know, you you know, you got to, you're I was 32, 33 years old when I started my business. And, you know, I have young kids. I have an 11 year old and a seven year old. I've been coaching both of their sport programs and sponsoring their teams for the last, you know, five, seven years, you know, depending on the age of my kid. And, um, you know, our names on the back of the jerseys, you know, I and I don't do it on purpose. I do it because I wanna give. I wanna give to my community. I wanna give to my kids. So you gotta have that mindset well, I've been given, I've been given. Well, it's not always about taking, it's about gaining. You're gaining mm. with, You're gaining respect with your community. You're gaining respect with your peers. You're gaining respect from your your kids' parents. Um, and we also, when we kind of made a big turn, my uh, nephew was playing high school football, had some friends that were coaching high school football. We got a bunch of water bottles made up of uh, our logo carrier logo on them you know we kind of co opted with carrier to get these water bottles and we also supported the jdrf junior diabetes foundation Um, we had a friend of ours uh, that son was one of their um that that had it and so we sponsored him and and did big events in the community whenever we could and hand out these water bottles we got like five thousand water bottles made up and we gave them to the high school kids we gave them you know The football teams, the volleyball team, whatever was going on in the fall program. Uh, To this day, I have people that still have some of those water bottles that we've done over the years. And they're like, I couldn't find it. I had to go in the dishwasher to find your phone number. You know, because she couldn't remember the name of the company. She thought it was Top Gun, but it was top rank. So (laughs) (laughs) top gun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So kind of funny, you know, but uh yeah, so that's to me, it's just getting involved in the community. They have a lot of these, uh, you know, event fairs. Like one of the biggest events we do every year in Elk Grove here is called the Pumpkin Festival. And it's, uh, I mean, they have three, 4,000 pound pumpkins that win this competition for like twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. But on a weekend there's 60 70,000 people that go into this pumpkin festival and we hand out orange uh, bags that have our logo on them. And then we also Uh, get co-op from carrier for putting their logo on it. So we really pay for the bags. Our marketing funds do, or the amount of equipment we do. So, you know, whenever you can brand a national name like carrier, you know, there's many other companies out there, but when you brand a national company like that, um, you know, you get co-op money for it. So Mm. a lot of don't hit their salespeople up. The guys that always bug, Hey, can I come by and see you? Well, Use them because they use you to sell their equipment. So, you know, it's, yes. a, it's a it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, I'm going to sell your equipment, but what are you going to give me to help brand my company? And that's, uh, to me, grassroots is the only way to start a company. You know, you can be a, a, a big company, buys out a smaller company and flips the brand name and, and just pours hundreds of, th- hundreds of thousands of dollars in. You don't have the same success long-term as you do by building a brand that's built around your family, your values, your commitment to that community. So that's where I believe grassroots is the number one source. And then you get on with a company that does great SEO for you and you know, and then build that brand even further out that way.
1: Yeah, I find that's very interesting. Uh, a friend was telling me about um, how some of the breweries, the local breweries are. Where a lot of the bigger like brands, let's say Budweiser, they would buy up a lot of these local breweries, but they wouldn't change their branding because they want to be able to retain a lot of the relationships and that brand recognition within that community. And so, yeah, totally agree. Like you can't replace those types of relationships that you have with your community and all that you poured in. You know, with you know sponsoring teams and everything, like that stays in people's minds. It's so amazing, like people digging up water bottles out of their, uh, dishwasher to find your phone number. That's incredible.
0: Like the best, the, probably one of the best marketing tools are is, you know, you'll have a kind of a, you know, I'm a blue collar guy. I'll, I'll die a blue collar guy. Um, but you'll see other blue collar guys coming by with their families and they're kind of igno- ignoring you I as, Hey buddy, I got a present for you. And I'll, I'll pull up a bottle opener for a beer. And you go, wow, what do you got for me? And I'll just give them that. Two weeks later, he goes, hey, you gave me a bottle opener at that uh, event we were at. Can you guys come out and tune up my AC? That little 75-cent bottle opener, you know, you get a big burly guy that, you know, you're like, should I talk to this guy? You got to find the tool that's going to be, you know, that you're going to give to him, you know. And um, so, you know, just find those little things that you can get in there and sell. So that's one thing I've always been good at is, you know, when you identify What's this, what's this person's thing they love to do? You know, is it, you know, you walk in and if there's a hundred pictures of Jesus in the house, you know that you better be on your P's and Q's on how you're going to talk to this person, what words you're going to use this person, you know, and then, but if you find that he has a Chicago Bulls pitcher on it, you know, you might need to talk about basketball. So you've got to be a little bit elusive when you go into people's homes and, and know what you can talk about, what you can't talk about. You know, you got to be a little bit of a chameleon. I guess is the best way to put it.
1: I love it. And so, just to switch gears, um, I want to bring it now to like now, 2022. It's March 2022. Um, you know, currently prices are going up for nearly everything: steel, capacitors, gas. It's especially in California. I don't know what the gas is up to now. Seven dollars a <laughs> six. Oh my god. <laughs> So I guess with all these rising costs, like I'm curious, what are you doing to keep up with the costs? Like, how are you, you know, it's, I'm sure it's taking a lot off the bottom line. So like, how are you dealing with, uh, with these rising costs?
0: You know, I'll be the first to say We can't sugarcoat it. Yeah. Have our prices gone up? Sure. They have to, we can't stay in business. If we don't, Um, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do to lower the overhead is because the only thing you can really control is labor fuel cost and the overhead cost, you know, goods coming in and out of your shop. Um, one of the biggest things we're doing right now is, and I haven't done this in the past, I'm doubling up some of our technicians, um, putting a younger kid with them, you know, to be a helper because then they're getting training at the same time. But, you know, I'm teaching our team how to get through calls a little bit quicker, but to give them a full service. You know, when you get up to the door and, you know, just let them know, hey, Miss Jones, I'm here with one of my junior techs today. And, uh, you know, go over what our procedures are. Um, And if it's okay with you, I'm going to have him start at the AC. He's going to put the gauges on. He's going to get it all prepped for me. I'm going to go over this with And then go, hey, Johnny, can you go take care of that for Mrs. Jones? There's no dogs or cats in the home or nothing. It's going to get out of the backyard. And I'm going to go over everything with her today. And then I'll be with it's good go issues in the time he'll be there and just making sure we're texting before during after with our customers emailing them However, we can to get a hold of them because the biggest disappointment is if our technicians have you know four to six jobs that day, that they're not wasting their time heading to a house where nobody's going to be home.
1: Gotcha. You know. Yeah, that's frustrating. Know,
0: but you know, we are having to raise our prices a little bit. Um, you know, our service call prices. But I've talked to many of people in my industry locally, and you know, you go from a month ago, price was at you know four something, right? And now we're at we're 599 605 you know i've parked a few of our trucks and um you know i'm i've always been hey if you're a technician if you're not on call they're they're parking some of their trucks here at night in our shop just uh you know it's wear and tear it's fuel cost it's it's a lot of things that you got to watch the bottom line and you know and everybody needs to understand you know if we're going to stay in business um you know long term we gotta watch when the times get tough. Like I said, I started my company full time twenty ten. The worst economy I've ever seen. You know, and that even my parents, it's the worst economy they've ever seen. So it's you gotta be prepared to make tough decisions. And right now I've had to make a few tough
1: decisions on there. Ben.
0: But it's gonna help us in the long
1: run. Yep. And yeah, it's you know, if the mothership goes down, the company goes down, it's like it's it's not good for anybody. Um, good for not good for, for community. Not good for everyone on the team. And so, yeah, sometimes you just gotta make those tough calls. Um, yeah. and, and I guess diving into you mentioned a little bit about your team. I'm curious, like, how have things been with hiring, retention, and and topics around that? Because it seems like just across the country, one of the biggest issues is like finding enough guys to work or keeping them on board. Are you? Facing similar issues, if not, like, how did you solve for those types of issues?
0: Well, yeah, it, it's, it's continued to be an issue um, with hiring people. Um, you know, I've always been able to find if I really haven't lost anybody in the last year. Um, we have, uh, we had have one incident with COVID where we had, we did lose one employee um, from that. And, um, you know, it's hard, it's been hard to replace him. You know, he was a st- solid guy. But the biggest thing we we've done, um, we've kind of we have a full training staff, Um, we have equipment in our building, we have um, motors to work on, we have compressors to work on, Um, we have furnaces set up, we have everything we need to have a full training facility here at our office. So we're educating guys where some of the bigger companies that are do a little bit more than just residential, they're training certain people, but they're not training all their staff. Well, we're trying to focus on all of our staff all the time, and you know, our team we're right around 18 field employees, and then we have about five. We're gonna probably hire another one or two office staff going into summer, but you know, we're, we're right around 20 to you know, about 25 employees total. But you know, we we uh you know, we started 401k for all of our employees last year, we've uh moved over to some better insurance plans, you know, just trying to give our employees a little bit more. So that they're not looking to jump ship to, you know, work somewhere where, yeah, they might pay them a buck or two more. But are they going to still get the education? Are they still going to get the proper training and have the proper support? So I think that's the biggest thing is you're starting off small. You can go to the different, um, you know, facilities to get training, but that costs you money. Mm -hmm. I finally made a commitment to bring the trainer in our office so we have a full tech support. That if our guys get stuck on a call, they can make a phone call to me if I'm not, if I'm unavailable. I have a full time uh, manager that you know he spends probably about say four to five hours a day in the office, and then he also goes out in the field with the guys and makes sure they're on point with their installs, the, the quality level where it needs to be. You know we kind we have a startup sheet, and in uh, a lot of ways they get spiffs for completing the job on time performance type uh stuff well we have a startup sheet and that startup sheet gets comp- as they're completing that startup sheet myself or another one of my managers will come out to the site and make sure that they hit everything from a to z the the way they're supposed to polish that let's you know tighten something up here because at the end of the day you know a lot of times home open their attics right try to take before and after pictures and like oh man i didn't realize it looked that bad up there um you know to give them the quality so training is probably the number one thing that we're doing to keep staff and that's what's also getting people to want to come into our business you know we can certify them to get epa side we have you know we're we're borderline almost full-time to we're going to start a school at top rank um that we can also bring people on train them we're working with other contractors locally getting their employees EPA certified so I kind of like givers gain I don't yeah. mind giving to other contractors I don't mind being a mentor for other businesses and I don't mind graduating my employees from my employee or one of our team members to a contractor you know I I've, I've had uh, over the last I'd say 10 years I've had six people that have worked for me that have gone into being a contractor. I've even had them work for me part-time as a subcontractor till they got their feet underneath them. They're good employees. Why not? Yeah. So, so but that's how we're kind of keeping our team going. Um, and we run about 12 trucks right now. I do got three parked here right now that they don't go home anywhere just because we're trying to save money, you know, because, you know, it's a weird time, you know, besides fuel prices going on. Now we got a war going on. We just got coming out of a pandemic. And, you know, so we're trying to keep a, a fine line and keep, you know, we don't micromanage our team, but at the same time, we're trying to micromanage everything around us going on. Yes, We can't control.
1: And I love that. I can tell that you care a lot about your team. And, and I just wanted to, if anyone didn't catch it, just like the distinction you made between, you, you know, you said employee, but then you switched to team member and uh, we, we do something similar in our company where, you know, I don't like, calling people employees I like it's like they're our team like we're we're kind of like a professional sports team we're, we're in it together we're working towards a, a common goal and so I love that philosophy I love the giver's gain and I love the fact that you're investing so much in your team even if they end up starting their own thing you know that takes a lot of it says a lot about your character to be able to do that so that's I think that's why people love um, coming to work for you and, and stay around because of how much you pour into them so incredible incredible stuff. Um, yeah, so I guess, uh, looking forward to the future. Um, I know that right now there's a few troubles that are on the, the nearby horizon, but you know, where do you see top rank in the next five years? Like what, what does that picture look like for you?
0: Well, right now we're doing about three and a half million in revenue, um, you know, to jump up to five in the next, this year. Um, you know, that was kind of my goal, but with everything going on, it's kind of like, we'll definitely hit four million dollars in revenue this year um if you know whatever we do over four i'd be a happy camper you know uh, just not for me but our whole team you know um, with four, having 401k and having some of the extra benefits that we do as a for our team it, it it's not me just making money it's our whole team making more money it's newer vehicles um you know it's everything so i'd say in the next year the next two years be at five million and within the next five years be at 10 million um and uh, just keep growing from there you know uh, we we kind of cover a broad area of uh, services um, i kind of i don't market everywhere but i have a, i've been around for a, a number of years and covered probably about a 100 to 200 mile radius not just with my business but where i've worked over the last 20 years so i'm well known in the industry so it's uh when people refer me to drive 70 miles to do a job. I'm like, I didn't pay for marketing. So yeah, let's go ahead and take care of, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. If I get referred, I'll pretty much drive a couple hundred miles, but at the same time, you know, I'll, I'll talk with them over the phone before I do that. But my guy's like, man, you got friends everywhere. I'm like, yeah, well, they love, they love Jeremy. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, A couple of things, too, that I I really tell people that are young in the industry, you know, it doesn't cost much money to have a uh, professional um, logo made. That was the one thing I, I, from the company I worked for previous, uh, they, um, they had their original logo and then they merged and created a huge corporation, had another logo made, and then they just took that logo and just twisted it back to their original name when they, Came back, so I was part of that from the very beginning with their company. So I learned a lot about branding and logos, and you know, and when we create our logo, you know, it was a red and white like almost everybody does for hot and cold. But you know, we all of our vehicles are wrapped with American um, flags, and then our stuffs embossed in, into them, and that's our our billboard. You know, we have a moving billboard that. They see from, you know, you can see an American flag on a truck coming from, you know, 30 cars away. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to be, you got to be pop out when you're out there. You know, a lot of guys, oh, you, you know, you'll get salespeople come in. Hey, I'm with ABC and we got this banner for sale and you want to increase your revenue by 50%. You got to get a billboard up. Well, I, I have 12 billboards that drive all around Sacramento County every day. And I have people go, how many trucks you got now? 20, 30 of them? I, like, ah, you know, I, I kind of lose track. You know, I don't want to give them the exact number because, you know, you see yep. one truck here, you see one truck. If you see three or four of my trucks a day, you think I got 30 of them. Yeah. You know, so branding your vehicles um is probably the number one thing. You know, they they have this saying in our business, chucking a truck or you know, um, and it's like when you have your branded properly, you don't become that guy anymore. When I used to have three trucks, people thought I had 10 trucks. Now that I have 10 or 12 trucks wrapped, people think I have 30 trucks. So, you know, I'm not trying to make myself look bigger than I am, but it works. I mean, branding your trucks with wraps on them, you know, they'll last, you know, three to five years, the wrap, but you know, for, I I think if a truck hasn't been wrapped before, it's about 2,500 bucks to wrap a truck and you, you know, a billboard's probably about three to five thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So for twenty five hundred bucks to three thousand to wrap a truck, I mean it's it's way no brainer.
1: Gold. No brainer. Yeah, really no brainer. And uh I guess some just some other questions uh having to do with with your growth trajectory. Like do you see any any challenges along the way? Because growing from let's say three to five, then five to ten like, those are, those are big leaps. Like that's going to be changes in your team, in terms of your structures, in terms of your systems. Like, what do you foresee are, like, the things that you'll need to take care of before you just break through to those uh, new levels?
0: You know, uh, I kind of, since I came from a huge corporation, you know, I was, yeah. my division alone did 20 million and their whole company did about 300 million in revenue. Um, so I came from a big corporation. So I have that, I've had that mindset from the beginning, but you know, there's no reason why you can't get mentors and other people. Uh, you know, I've had a business coach for almost 10 years and I don't, I don't have a business coach cause I can't run my business. I have a business coach to run ideas through. Um, and then, you know, we'll come together at the beginning, you know, before the end of, you know, like usually October, November, we sit down and we kind of go over our game plan for the next six months. And I'll run some ideas past them. He, um, you know, he'll run some ideas past me. We'll come to a common ground. And it's somebody too, like that holds you to the flame. You know, they're like, hey, Jeremy, you made these commitments. Let's, how are we going to get them done? You know, so as a business owner, I don't have all the ideas, but if I put the right people in my team to have all the ideas, we'll succeed. So I, uh, so to get from where we're at, you know, we, I've, I've, I have great software. Service Titan um, is what all the big boys have. I had Successware before that. So I've always been, had all the right software, had all the right programs. Now it comes down to getting the right staff. So to jump from three and a half million to five million, you know, I feel with the number of employees we have, you know, we have about 18 field employees right now and, you know, about six office staff um office staff we're fully we're pretty much right there but we probably do need to i'd say for every million you need about five guys that's kind of my you know mindset you know some companies need a little bit more but that's i kind of try to run things bare bones um but i would probably staff we're going to need a couple more managers that Mm -hmm. help us manage that side of it but to jump from you know three and a half to five million we need about 10 more team members
1: you know
0: yeah so a couple managers more service technicians more installers so we've been uh, with us starting to do a lot of training for other businesses you know I'll, ne- I'll never steal somebody else's employees um, but you know it just kinda, it's just kind of it's kind of that give or gain I've had a couple of them say hey we're getting ready to lay off a couple guys Jeremy um, can you take them mm-hmm. you know you know so it, it's respect there you know I respect you know Never talk bad about another company if i run across something um i've even been out on jobs where people hey can you come out here you know i get out there and they want me to look at a brand new install and i'm like oh if you want i'll come out here with the other company we'll go through the breakdown and find what the problem is but i think it's fair to them it's fair to you because you know if i come and fix their problem you're not going to have it's hard to get legal ramifications if you didn't give them the chance to fix their problem mm-hmm. You know, because it's a double edged sword. You know, yeah, you call me to come out. You don't like what the other company did, but you never let them know what they did wrong. I just I have a hard time coming in there and say, oh, it's this, this, this is that. They did this, this is this wrong. And, you know, it's, you know, I'm not the police put it that way. I'm not going to tell the homeowner everything they did wrong. I don't like this. I don't like this. But why don't we have them come back out here and I'll work with them with it. So I've done that too many times. I did it twice last month. <laughs> so, <laughs> But it comes down to training. That's the number one thing that's going to make somebody be successful. And, you know, even as an owner, you can go get the training and then bring that training back to your employees, but you got to put it into practice, not just mm. go to a class and go oh, in one window out the other window or <laughs> in one ear out the other, you know,
1: so. Love it. So, um, so yeah, I guess as we're moving to the end of the podcast, um, just have two last questions for you. Uh, the first one is any, uh, parting advice that you'd have for someone who is thinking about making the leap to start their own HVAC business.
0: Yeah. Be prepared, have a goose egg set aside because you know, your first year or two, um, you're not going to make a million bucks. You know what I mean? It's, uh, there's trial and error, but have everything organized, have a, you know, have a truck full of tools, ready to go into a truck, or even have a truck ready to, and then also have a truck full of tools in your garage, ready, paid off, ready to go. And then, you know, join a BNI network. And I mean, I am i can't tell you how successful I've been from joining those local networks. And, uh, you know, don't try to chew off more than you can handle, you know, stay small, I know a lot of guys will get into like doing the home warranty where you're working for a home warranty company, doing insurance work. And there's some guys that have been very successful at it. But the one thing is if you don't cross your T's, you don't dot your I's, they're not going to pay you on time. So why go to do waste that money working for a company like that? If you know, you're not finally sharp, you know, and, and get a business coach, get a mentor that somebody can help you you know, along the way, have somebody you can fall back on because the boss you, you leave might not be as nice as Jeremy here and say, Hey, let me help you out. You know, I had a guy that said, Hey, I'm, um, he's doing really well. He did in his first year by himself. He did $700,000. He put money in the bank and he was out of his house and he went to go. So I need to get a building. I need to get a building. I said, don't get a building. You know, you don't need a building. You know get a p.o box you know a lot of companies have p.o boxes you know um, you don't always need to be like you know the big guys that are on all the tv commercials you know you know wait to get there you know take your time there's certain steps you know you know for doing a million bucks i don't think you need to be in a building once you get past the million you probably need to start you know really quickly. So, but you know, once you, once you get to make that decision, do I stay in my house for a little bit and stay around a million dollars, or do I want to get two million? Because that's when you do about a million and a half is really need to get out of your house because your neighbors going to start getting mad after a while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. So, um, yeah. So, I guess as we're closing up, um, is there anything that? Me, you know, know. we. <laughs> oh yeah, with the the annoying annoying neighbors. <laughs> Yeah, as we're uh, as we're closing up, um, is there anything that you want to share, like any term, any other books or resources or anything that you want to promote? Um, yeah, feel free to, to share anything that um, any uh, last things that you want to share with the audience.
0: You know, like I said, um, I think for the most part is, you know, you have to. To me, this has been something I've kind of stand behind for a number of years is the leader sets the pace. So if you're not willing as an owner to get up in that attic and and show your your team what to do, don't expect them to do it. You know what I mean? There's not that many people that have the drive, have the will, have the ambition to jump up in an attic. But once they see the boss do it, It's it's over, you know. You got people that are going to jump through, you know, run through walls for you, jump in front of a bullet for you. I mean, but you got to show them that you're the leader. You're the, and hey, there's times where you know you see a spare shirt behind me right there you know that's a service shirt you know it doesn't get put on every day of the week um uh, but you know there's a lot you know i'm the head i'm the head comfort advisor i'm the head sales guy i'm the you know sometimes i'm the head garbage man here and you've got to just set the pace the presidents for all of your employees let's do this together our shop was um i call it spring cleaning i don't know we had a busy busy winter um and uh, know february is kind of like your spring cleaning get ready for summer and i i had me and the lowest guy. total equipment that we reorganize it get things ready for summertime right now we're 95 percent ready for spring going into summer and that's uh and that employee like he went around and said man the boss was with me for two days. We cleaned that shop. He's picking up, you know, stuff with his hands and, you know, they're like, yeah, wait till he puts you up in an attic. You won't get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so I don't mind working. Like I said, I'm, I'm blue collar for life, you know? Um, so, you know, but I'm going to build an empire that my family, my kids can benefit from, you know, they get to go on great vacations every year, you know? Um, but, you know, if my kids want to take this thing over, they can, um, you know, uh, my kids, I'll go out to uh, like uh, banquet dinners where they have auctions and stuff like that. I'll bring a stack of business cards, an inch thick, you know, cause I, you know, I'm sponsoring it or whatever. And my daughter will go and let everybody know who her daddy is. She's a better salesman than me. And she's only 11 years old. And, uh, but I went, I went to one of these events. I won something. I went to go, uh, you know, get what I wanted. And, uh, I gave my business card. Oh, you're Marley's dad. I go, yeah, I am. (laughs) So, you know, so if, you know, she definitely, she's 11, I'd say in the next 10 years, if she's not done with college, she'll definitely be in, um, top rank. And she answers the phone sometimes when she's here. So, you know, it's, it's a family corporation. And if the family wants to continue doing it, when she, if I don't decide to retire in the next 10 years, you know, but you know, we we love what we do, and uh, you gotta love what you do. That's the number one thing.
1: So, amen to that. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jeremy, so much for your time, and thank you as well for sharing all of your insights, experience, and just advice on like how a younger contractor could you know get involved with the business and find success. But yeah, that's about it, everybody. We're nearing the forty-five minute mark. Thank you for joining us for the HVAC Financial Freedom Podcast. We'll be on next week for another podcast next Thursday. So make sure to tune in. So thanks so much and I'll see you on the next one.